0: Welcome to the East Bay's best podcast, The Capstone Conversation. This is a show that interviews political, government and community leaders in Alameda, Contra Costa and Solano counties. We look at what is going on in your city. How are we developing things economically and where are we going from here? I'm your host, Jared Ash. Welcome to today's episode of the Capstone Conversation. I'm joined by Don Burris from the city of Vacaville. He is the economic development director there. And I've known Don for the better part of a year now. One of the intriguing things of why I reached out to him was I was recently at a conference and a life science company was talking about why they chose Vacaville. And it was about the responsiveness of Don as an individual, but also about the ecosystem that the city is building there. Plus a combination of fast track permitting, which has come up in a lot of podcast episodes. Time to approve somebody there, the ability to work through a city. So we're gonna learn to see why has Vacaville been expanding and getting a number of life science companies, how they're building out a tech center, and where the city's going from there. So, Don, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jared. (laughs) Why don't you walk us through your background and your professional career and then give us an overview from there about what is happening in the city of Vacaville.
1: Oh, goodness. Let's see. Uh, I went to California in 2000 after finishing graduate school at at, uh, Purdue University. And uh, I got to San Jose and Silicon Valley, like in the height of, of the dot-com kind of boom, and was fortunate enough to work with the uh, city of San Jose in the mayor's office and doing uh, some level of economic development, then staffing the mayor as he went to talk with some of the many companies that that were located within our city, uh, then on to the San Jose Redevelopment Agency, um, where I got to do um, a more extensive economic development work and got a great chance to meet with the titans of, of Silicon Valley and uh, continue to bring more businesses into uh, San Jose. Um, we ran several incubator programs to to keep creating a pipeline uh, for industry within our city and our region. Um, so, been in economic development now for uh, uh, what about seventeen years, and that actually that wasn't my focus uh, after getting out of graduate school. I, I'm in uh, my undergrad degrees in engineering, so. My career actually started in very technical engineering work, working for the Department of Defense. I worked on the Apache combat helicopter. So it's crazy that I've gone from this kind of super technical engineering work to this role in economic development, which for me, I really feel like it's more of a, a, a facilitation role, right? We're, we're kind of the guys, I always joke, and say we're the guys behind uh, the curtain. Like no one really knows who the AD people are and the deals that we help to facilitate. But everyone knows all the elected officials, the mayors, and the uh, city council members that are waving the flag of success. So I'm okay with being a little guy behind the curtain, though.
0: Well, hopefully they won't get uh, jealous that you're on the podcast and and not have <laughs> we'll have them next. Uh, there you
1: go. There you and,
0: go. And then. I think we can say you're the first guest that has helped build a war helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Half Yeah on here. That makes 15, 16 episodes in. That makes you a little bit unique. All right. So tell me
1: about Vacaville itself. What kind of community is it? So uh, unfortunately, one of the things people think of when they think of Vacaville is that we're a rural farming community. That is actually incorrect. Uh, it, It is just a suburban community. There are farms outside of the city limits, like almost any small city in Northern California. But it's a good community. It's had a lot of industry over over the last 35 years that have quietly been working within our community. Very family-friendly, very family-focused. Most of the things that we as a city partner with really do have a lot to do with the quality of life for our families and their children. And I think that's a huge attraction for a lot of people that, that have been moving into the community over the past years, that it is definitely a, a family-friendly or family-focused community. But coming into Vacaville after leaving the city of San Jose, what made me really interested in the city is just the amount of opportunity there is and opportunity all the way around. So as economic development people, um, we have workforce development opportunities. We have um, housing opportunities, creating um, great housing that's not just for the families, but missing middle housing for the young professionals that are moving into the community. And then ultimately, the two industrial parks and business park, probably the most amount of vacant land in all of Northern California, as far as the city is concerned. So I saw a lot of opportunity there, a lot of opportunity to grow the economy, bring in great businesses, work with our workforce partners, work with the school district. So honestly, it's been a lot of fun and has allowed me to use all of my experience in economic development.
0: So what is the big picture of attracting businesses there? In talking to you, you have a strong plan and a vision for what the city should become and the types of businesses you want to attract.
1: Absolutely. Um, We did some work. So when I first arrived at Vacaville as an economic development professional, we looked to identify what those assets are within our communities and, and try to exploit those as ways to grow the economy. So arriving to Vacaville, quickly I learned that we did have some advanced manufacturers there and that we did actually have a small cluster of biomanufacturing facilities. Looking at how much land that we had available, I thought that it could be a possibility where we could actually um, grow that industry. So working with a a couple uh, professional site selectors and uh, a few economists and uh, some experts in, in the biotech industry, We had some focus groups and really determined that there was a lot of room left to grow the bioeconomy in Vacaville. So we started putting together a strategy uh, to do that. We launched the strategy in 2020. Believe it or not, like right at the height of COVID, we launched a a strategy during COVID. But it it wasn't three months later that we started getting inquiries from biomanufacturing companies that were looking for locations to build facilities. So if we look at that, like fast forward to what we think our future would be, we're preparing for that bioeconomy. We're trying to put pieces in place right now that will not just make uh, the city a great place for biomanufacturing, but for all of the biotechnology industry. So we're looking at supply chain companies and support services and um, incubators and r and d space. so we're we're really preparing our city and our region to be the next place uh, where biotechnology or life science uses can flourish.
0: So that's a great plan, right? You're focused on a specific industry, even a specific sector within an industry. People say life sciences. You're looking at the bio fields here. How did you come to that conclusion to narrow down and say, this is the industry? Is it that you had a workforce there? Did you have one company already when you talk about those pre-existing assets? How did you get to
1: that conclusion? So, so working with the existing companies that were in, that are in Vacaville, um, I know everyone knows Genentech because it's the world's largest self-production facility. But actually Genentech was kind of like the new kid on the block. They arrived in the late nineties, but back had bio manufacturing facilities there for, for like 35 years. So we were able to talk with the industry leaders to, to determine, well, is there more that can be done? Do we, what more can we do to continue to grow the industry? So working with industry professionals, they helped us to determine, well, yeah, you, we have over. 500 acres of vacant land. We knew that when it came to biomanufacturing, that most companies would probably shy away from leasing a building and then put $250 million into a building they don't own. So we really thought, well, maybe our sweet spot or our niche in in the industry would be actual greenfields. Um, because would it make more sense for a company to build with the level of infrastructure that needs to be in a building, it probably would make more um, sense to build a facility as opposed to leasing a facility and and doing those expensive tenant improvements. And that worked out for us. Now I have 30 acres left.
0: How many? 500?
1: Uh, Yeah. All I have left is 30 acres. And what was that 500 acre beforehand? Was that farmland? Uh, No, it's all within our industrial parks. So we have Two industrial parks or one business park. So prior to those employment lands being created, it, it would have been most likely ranches, cattle ranches.
0: But that's going back thirty plus years. So this
1: that's going back almost fifty years.
0: Fifty years. So it was an industrial park. It was meant as job centers before, but it was it vacant. What was that? Paint a picture of what that green field
1: was. Oh, yeah, it was definitely vacant. So I actually had to go out and canvas the developers to say, Hey, we've got this vacant land. Right. And our location being one of the uh, cities in the Bay Area, our location, it was just perfect. Two, two turns from the Port of Oakland, three international airports that are within an hour of our city. So there's just a lot of great attributes that, that make the city attractive for business. So I literally went out and then talked with the development community to say, hey, we have a lot of opportunity in our city. Come check it out. So uh, I gave uh, a number of tours. Let's see. Buzz probably he was one of the biggest developers in our community. Uh, LDK is another big developer in our community. We made great relationships with them, and they've continued to build inventory in our cities.
0: Okay. And I know one of your, your proud achievements is a, a tech park,
1: which is 1,400 acres. So I'm assuming that's not in the 500 acres. That right. is correct. Yeah. So, so again, as we prepare for the future of this whole bio economy, uh, we do have 1400 acres at the top of the city uh, that has been uh, reserved for our next employment lands. So, if, if we listen to the economists and, and all the industry experts, they're all forecasting that the life science industry is, that uh, has not peaked it whatsoever and that technically because of the cost of money right now, that there's a lot of pent up demand. And um, so the economists are predicting that once the cost of money uh, comes down, we're gonna see a lot of life science companies literally flood the market. So we're trying to get ahead of the game. We're trying to have our, our new technology park, do all the policy work, all the sequel work, uh, all the land use work to have a shovel ready place for developers to come And uh, build a new tech park uh, for companies to come and build new facilities. And the reason I'm using the terminology tech park is we're not looking for the traditional industrial uses for this area. We're definitely not looking for logistics uses for this area where we are truly talking about biotechnology uses, advanced manufacturing uses, which are much cleaner uh, than traditional manufacturing and uh, obviously biotechnology uses. So. And so you're getting the land, is it land now or what's that space? So it is land. So some of the land is within the city limits. Some of it is still within the county within our sphere of influence. So we have to annex some of those properties in at just all the policy work around creating uh, a new employment land. So we're looking at that three-year horizon. So if, if we stay on track, we should have all of that policy work done within the three-year period. And that kind of aligns uh, with what the all of the economic pundits are saying about what the markets will look like in three years.
0: And are you bring? Is the city paying to
1: bring out utilities
0: and infrastructure out there, or would that be part of the development?
1: So that's a good question. So, so yes, we are actually uh, about to launch a uh, master infrastructure uh, study. Uh, we do have um, water that reaches that area, but sewer does not reach that area. So we're doing the master infrastructure study to see what do we need to shore up to make sure that we do have all the backbone infrastructure in place so that the development community can come in and literally it be shovel ready.
0: And you're not looking for one company to fill 1400 acres. You're looking for, as I'm listening to you, a number of companies that can come in and invest in large facilities. Exactly.
1: They, right. <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay. With life science companies, bioscience particular, water is a big product need compared to other industries. California, big drought-prone state. How are you planning for this water need in their production facilities?
1: That's a very good question, Jared. I, I'm, I'm so happy um, that our previous utility director Absolutely brilliant, gentleman um, Royce, I have to give him a shout out. He, I, we probably have the best water rights in Northern California. We have enough water that we actually sell some to uh, other cities within Solano County. Um, so, so we're good. Uh, and as far as wastewater treatments concerned, we were required by the state to build a tertiary treatment facility. Oh, probably maybe ten years ago. So we we have. Plenty of excess capacity to handle um, treatment as well um, as supplying water. Right. So,
0: one of the things that we've, you and I have talked about is risk adverse, and cities are risk adverse. But here you're talking about creating 1,400 acre, building infrastructure, spending three plus years doing policy work, maybe five, because you're talking three years ahead. You've probably already been doing it for two to three. That's a big investment. Uh The concept from Field of Dreams,
1: build it and they will come. That's pretty risky in some ways. To a degree it is, but I think that's where we are in the 21st century. The concept of employment lands has changed dramatically. It's no longer okay to go to work outside of the city limits or in in the suburban area of your city. And uh, your office is in the middle of a food and amenity desert the, that day's long gone. So the new employment lands need to have a, a mix uh, of features. So it needs to have green space so that when employees want to take a break, they have some place to go to clear their heads and enjoy the outdoors. It's going to need workforce housing so that people don't have to commute to to go to work at, or, or have that far of a commute. They need to have some amenities, whether it's restaurants, fitness fitness facilities, It really needs to be a a little more comprehensive than what we saw back in the day. And again, now in the 21st century, developers aren't looking to get to a city and have to put in infrastructure before they can even consider building a project. So that's why it's important for all cities, for us as economic development people, to encourage our cities to put in at least the backbone infrastructure because that saves time on the development side. It saves money on the development side. And time and money is, are, are two of the things that can kill any project.
0: Well, okay, let's talk about time and money. So permitting time often comes up. How long does it take for a city to get a business through an approval process? And if you're a small business and a restaurant torque and it takes you a year or two years to build out a facility and get permits and get open, that's a lot of time you're Mm -hmm. investing in your business. You scale that up to a company that's hiring 500, 1,000 decent paying jobs. Uh Talk about the permit process in Vacaville. You've been in the news about a fast track process. How are you doing it? What's driving that?
1: So the fast track program that we created was very specifically for uh, biotechnology and advanced manufacturing industries. The reason we can actually work so quickly is we've had those industries in our communities and our community for over 35 years. And us being a smaller community, a lot of our staff have been here from the very beginning. Uh, for example, all the staff that worked to permit that huge Genentech facility are still in Vacaville. So when Genentech came in to do their second building, we literally processed that application over the counter. We were already familiar with the facility, the staff, policies, uh, all of the the, uh, research that needed to be done. So we were already familiar uh, with all of that. So it didn't need to go through an arduous nine months or even 12-month process that I know can happen in other cities. So we looked at that as really a competitive advantage that we, our staff already has that experience. So we were really able to say, we can turn you around in 90 days. And I think proved, we proved that point when TransWestern came in with their Axiom Point project, literally on the 90th day, the project was approved.
0: Way to get, way to get down to the wire there. But 90 90 days is great. And that comes up particularly around Fremont success as well and bringing in new companies there. So why can Vacaville do it? Maybe Fremont do it
1: and other cities? That's a very good question, Jared. I, I think it has a lot to do with the experience of your staff and then two, the commitment and support that you can receive from your city council. Sometimes you might need additional staff uh, to really be able to get through, um, help people get through the process quicker. And you're going to need support from your mayor and city council to provide you with the resources. Our council um, is 100% on board. uh, And I thank them every time that I see them because the truth of the matter is our success as a city is coming from the fact that our council is providing city staff with the resources that we need to actually be successful. So, I think that is something that if all cities are looking at trying to help improve that project, um, excuse me, improve their process, it really is about getting them all the resources they need. And then we did um, right now. I'm working with our community development director, this um, Aaron Morris, to look at like a red tape reduction program. Um, and, and I think a lot of cities probably at some point need to step back. And look at their development process, look at the tenant improvement process and look at, well, it, it, are, are all these steps necessary? If, if there was one thing that we could eliminate, what could that one thing be? Um, are there multiple things we can eliminate? How can we actually make the process easier and more attractive uh, for the development community? And, and we're in the process of even doing more streamlining right now. So we're in the process of, of creating what we're calling our, our red tape reduction program to see what more can we do? To make all of the all of the development processes in our city uh, easier.
0: That's great, and and part of it sometimes is just the will and the leadership, right? The determination to say we want to do this. We want to look at what's causing the red tape and how do we improve it. You had mentioned the things that's come up as success in cities is when they have a point person. Yes, sometimes call the concierge. Sometimes cities say, "Well, we have somebody who could be that person." but you're talking about working across multiple departments for all of these companies. And so somebody to say, hey, Don is going to walk you through and I'm going to go, so you don't have to go to community development or parks and rec or water. I'm going to take care of all of that and I'm going to go bother those people for you. Have you guys tried that? And has that been part of the success?
1: So for, for most economic development departments, we do act as an ombudsman We oftentimes developers or companies will contact us first before they contact the community development department to see what that process is like. And I I think most of the larger companies know that we probably should be their first stop. And I think most of the major development companies know economic development should really be their first stop uh, before they try to engage the rest of the city departments. So another good question, Jared. So I've got to give a shout out on this answer. Uh, So my buddy, uh, Paul Wynn and the city of Hayward, um, Paul created an award-winning program, uh, their business concierge program, where it actually is a cross-functional team that is assigned to a small business uh, or a large business for that matter, to help them get through the complexity of getting through the city systems. So we are actually um, mimicking Paul's program uh, with Paul's blessing, so thank you, Paul, to actually put that in place. So it will no longer just be um, the economic development team. It will be a cross-functional team of public works and utilities uh, and finance and building and code enforcement. And so really a big cross-functional team. And we'll work with that company with the same people through the entire process. That's great.
0: And so we've been talking a lot about things the city is doing to speed up the time and make it easier for people. One of the problems companies, developers, everybody's complaining about that's slowing them down is outside of city control is PG&E and the need for power.
1: Yeah. yeah. Talk about that. It is a statewide problem. It's been conversations at many of the economic development conferences locally on what can be done. It's, it's disappointing in this respect that There are several industries right now that can really flourish within the state of California, but many of them are choosing to leave California, not because of the cost. And in truth, let let me address that real quick too, Jared, if you don't mind. We hear a lot of companies say, and other states say, well, the cost of doing business in California is too expensive, so why go there? So if we look at some of the industries, and of course, since biotechnology is the industry that we're really kind of focused on, the other areas of the country where life sciences are flourishing, Boston, uh, New York, Philadelphia, those are not cheap markets, right? Those are not cheaper yeah. markets than being in California. So the cost of doing business, I think that's all kind of relative based on what the industry is. So I, I think upfront that needs to be addressed that we're not so expensive that companies can't locate and flourish uh, within the state of California. I'm sorry. What was what was the initial? The we were talking.
0: Well, that was a that was a good point, right? It's different when like a manufacturing company goes to the middle of nowhere, Texas. They say they're in Dallas, but they're an hour and a half outside in in bacon. You're talking about educated workforces, innovative mm-hmm. companies that are in places that have high college degrees or a higher educated workforce, and I think that's important. California is offering that to people. Uh, the original question was about PG&E and the need oh, of yeah. power for these companies.
1: So, yes, thank you. Thank you for bringing me back. So PG&E, um, th- the difficulty there is we're losing companies not because of the cost of doing business in California. We're losing business because of PG&E's inability to meet the power requirements. And that is a very difficult thing for us because we we as economic developers feel like we're being held hostage by pg and and that, that our state's success is really going to be determined now by that public utility.
0: Interesting. All the more arguments for microgrids and renewable energy, but which Absolutely. is expensive by itself, but interesting to hear that you do, that the biggest fear in economic development is just the, one of the basic concepts of having enough power generation
1: mm-hmm. on the, in, in the system. So within Solano County, uh, where um, the city of Accuville is located, uh, two of our cities, we we have engaged uh, some consultants to look at, well, can we create some distributed electrical resources throughout the city so that we don't have to be so energy dependent on PG&E? Can we create some microgrids around the city, microgrids within our employment lands, so that we're not, so that our hands aren't tied with PG&E as far as them being able to provide us with the amount of electricity these companies need. So very interesting, that I can give you an example. I'm working with the governor's office of business and economic development, they can come through with some great leads for all of our cities to follow up on, but some of them we literally have to pass on simply because of the power requirement. So so the solar industry kind of suffers a little bit um, with us not responding to those RFPs because um, it's very difficult to get the level of power that they need to produce their products. I think the same would be could be said for the electric vehicle industry. So yeah, PG&E is that access to power it is going to be a real deterrent for all of us in economic development. So it's something that we have to address. And to be fair, we have been in conversations with PG&E about uh, power supply within our region in Solano County.
0: You'd think just with all the people and companies moving out of the state that we keep hearing about, as you referenced earlier, that they'd have plenty of extra power around, right? We haven't been growing so much as a state compared to others. So that'll be interesting. And I've done some work in procurement for cities and renewable energies, and uh, it still does. The right project can still pencil in California, although the CPUC and their new regulations have made it a lot harder to net meter and do things, but a microgrid itself can still be viable. A tech park or an industrial area that, that are more sectioned off, yeah. it may make sense because they're also going to have more stability. They won't go out in the fires when they shut off half of Northern stability. California.
1: Stability and reliability. Yeah. So uh,
0: I want to ask about California forever, just uh-huh. because it's a hot topic in Salado. I'm not going to ask for your opinion opinion about it for political stance Mm -hmm. from an economic development standpoint if you're talking about the creation of housing for a hundred thousand people and putting a hundred thousand people what do you think it does for economic development is it one of their arguments is that it will create local jobs these people can live and work here they'll bring in new businesses
1: well definitely there's some truth to that i think one of the things that stood out for me is the increase in the talent pool. So depending on the type of industries that new city would focus on, that that brings more talent into uh, our county in general. And industry follows talent, right? So we we look at the growth of just the tech sector in in the Bay Area, and we see how we've gone from seven cities in Solano County all the way up the peninsula now to San Francisco across into the East Bay pushing past the East Bay into the smaller East Bay cities um, all the way up to Tracy so we see that now those tech workers who live outside of the city then it's not so much of an issue for a company to I- expand operations in Walnut Creek or or any or Concord because now there actually is a workforce that lives in that area because industry really is gonna follow talent. So I think if they're creating a community that's gonna be 100,000 plus, then I think the upshot is that they will be bringing new talent uh, into our community. And, and that's great for all of us because now the industry has more talent to choose from. That's,
0: that's great, I appreciate it. And that's also why I think you see bio science companies cluster around other bioscience companies. It's because they want to build off that talent and going back to it, you're talking about Genentech and others, right? You're creating an
1: ecosystem for people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Working with the workforce uh, development board for the county, we look at like what our actual talent pool is within our city, within our region. And then if we're expected to, to create very specific uh, jobs or specific industries then we have to have a talent uh, in our area to support those industries.
0: So talking about that, you're fairly close in Vacaville to UC Davis, one of um, a major university in California, a major national research institute. Does that help with economic development and workforce or is there an advantage there, partnership?
1: With UC Davis, we, we do have a great partnership. They've been part of our biotech strategy from the beginning. And they are a great pipeline as well for talent. So uh, let's see, gosh, we've partnered on so many things. We've partnered on continuing education projects. They are a good pipeline as well uh, with their biotech programs, uh, not just their undergraduate programs, but their master's programs. So yeah, they've been a good partner. Our Our community college, they have been great partners as well. With their biotechnology program and being able to turn out manufacturing technicians, so it's been good.
0: Great, I appreciate that. Any last thoughts on economic development and the success in Vacaville before we head out?
1: Oh goodness, that's 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 so broad. But I, I think there's a level of excitement in our community and our county because we all see the opportunity now. I think uh, the stars are all aligning for our cities and the county that. We know that we have a real value proposition for industry and uh, a, a great location for industry, for families. Uh, I know we didn't talk about housing or, or the cost of housing, but we're still like 30% cheaper uh, than housing in the central Bay Area. You can still get homes in Bakkenlo for $500,000. So I, I think our region is really ready for that level of growth. And uh, again, happy to be able to bring more of those talented individuals out of the central bay area into our part of the bay area so
0: great i appreciate it that was don burris the economic development director from the city of vacaville i appreciate you being here today don
1: thank you jared i, I appreciate you having me please hit
0: subscribe so you get the weekly updates of when we release the next episode like to thank our sponsors capstone government affairs and economic development a firm where i serve as managing partner for more information check us out at www.capstonegov.com and follow us on linkedin by typing in capstone government check out the show notes. And for a full transcript, visit our website, www.capstonegov.com and follow us on LinkedIn by typing in Capstone Government, or you can find me, your host, Jared Ash.